me to try to go on mute when I'm eating Skittles because my jaw's clicking. Hey everybody, welcome back to Reading with Celebrities. I'm Lindsay. I'm Tiffany. And this week is our discussion on Light in August by William Faulkner. Woo! Woo! And after this one, we only have two more Oprah books. I just want to take like a big sigh of relief <laughs> and just like how close we are to being done. It feels so long ago that we started Oprah's book club. <laughs> It, it it does, but in a way, it's only been a year. Oh, I know. Like, it's only been a year since we released the trailer. I think... I think I would be less enthusiastic about ending Oprah's Book Club if we had chosen better books. And that's the uh, the random wheel. That's yeah. their fault, not yeah. ours. Yeah, if the random wheel would have chosen better books, I think I would be, like less enthusiastic about getting to the end of this but yeah here we are we had some surprise we had some surprises yes really enjoyed yeah i think i think what we should do when we are when we have our last discussion on Terra road um we should do one final episode for the season where we kind of just like recap the last 12 books talk about our favorites stuff like that most disappointing um stuff like that and we don't necessarily need to rank them, but kind of just give our best, our thoughts on the 12. Yeah. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. But, alrighty. So, again, this was William Faulkner, and we've got a little bio, some notable works, and then our summary, and we can kick off our discussion. Sound good? That works. Let's go. All right. So, William Faulkner was born in New Albany, Mississippi on September 25th, 1897, into an upper-middle-class family. Uh, His family owned the Gulf and Chicago Railroad Company, and then his father was looking, worked for them and was looking to inherit the business, and his grandfather basically didn't trust him to run it properly, so he sold it off (laughs) rather than passing it down. Um, Talk about burn. Yeah. Uh, but then they moved to Oxford, Mississippi instead. They, his father wanted to move to Texas and become ranchers, and his mother was like, absolutely not. We need to stay in Mississippi. Oh, that's rude. <laughs> it's, it's, hey, it was, you know, this was, I think, like about a year after William had been born. So it was, you know, not, like early 1900s, not the Texas we know and love today. Um and so his father said, okay, and they moved to Oxford, and he became the business manager for Ole Miss. Um, his mother, grandmother, and his African-American nanny, who helped raise him since he was an infant, were key to his creative upbringing and interests, while his father really encouraged all of his children to experience the great outdoors. He was a big hunter, um, outdoorsman. So he kind of had a really good balance. I was kind of lamenting earlier, you know, I don't want my authors to suffer but it seems like he kind of had a pretty decent childhood from what i was reading you know pretty good i mean uh, upper middle class in the 1800s pretty pretty good um and then just to have a nice balance between having family members who were like hey look at you reading a book and then other family members who were like hey you want to go run around outside like oh yeah that sounds pretty nice um so he is really known for his works based in you know the deep south kind of southern gothic who's greatly influenced not only by his surroundings but also of his family history and racial dynamics in america and i think it comes out clear in this book when we discuss there's a lot of um you know the different like black and white society at this time as well as educated versus non-educated he was very interested in that and a lot of his books really play into that and highlight that he married Estelle Oldham in 1929 and they had a daughter together named Jill in 1933 in 1949 he received the Nobel Prize for literature and he was so allegedly so disgusted by the whole like pomp and circumstance around this that his daughter didn't even know he had won the Nobel Prize until her principal in high school called her down to congratulate them. <laughs> um, and he also has two Pulitzers for uh, some smaller books um, 
Uh, July 6th, 1962, he suffered a fatal heart attack and is buried in his family cemetery plot in Oxford. Interesting. Yeah. So there was a lot of, I got most of this from Wikipedia, but then went down some rabbit holes. It really went down some rabbit holes reading about light in August, but mm-hmm. we can get to that. Um, uh, it's like interesting where like he, in his youth, traveled a lot. He tried to sign up for the U.S. Army during World War One and was rejected or tried to sign sort of for the U.S. Armed Forces was rejected. So he actually ended up serving under the Canadian Royal Air Force. So he lived in Toronto for a bit. And then he was down in New Orleans for a while. And I think when he was in New Orleans, that's when he published The Sound and the Fury. Okay. Um, and then something similar where, like, he tried to sign up again for World War II and was denied. <laughs> so he worked in, like, civilian capacity during World War II. It kind of, it was... It was interesting to read a little bit of a rabbit hole, but um, yeah. So some notable works are The Sound and the Fury in 1929 was published, As I Lay Dying in 1930, Light in August 1932. And he also worked as a screenwriter for a little bit and he helped co-write the screenplay for The Big Sleep starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Interesting. Yes. Um, And that one, that movie was based off a book and I guess it's very, like, sexually explicit, but there's definitely, like, heavy sexual themes. And the studio was basically like, you need to find a way to get rid of all that because that's won't, that won't pass the censorships. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, moving on to our main characters for Light in August, we have Lena Grove, who is a young, unmarried, pregnant woman in search of her baby's father. We have Joe Christmas, who is a violent and unpredictable man who believes he is part African-American. And we have Lucas Birch slash Joe Brown. Same name. He is the father of Lena's child who left when she told him she was pregnant. And he had made a promise to her, like, I'm just going to go find a new job and then you can come live with us or live with me. Um, And he ends up working with Joe Christmas in a bootlegging operation. There's Byron Bunch a man who is in love with Lena and promises to help her find Lucas. There's Joanna Burden, a woman who has a sexual relationship with Joe Christmas and is murdered. And there's Gail Hightower, the disgraced local pastor whose wife was having an affair and subsequently committed suicide. Is there anybody else you'd like to add to that list? I felt like Um, those were like the main. Yeah, those are definitely the main um, characters. I can't think of anybody else. That sticks out to me. Um, these are the main ones for sure. Um, let me tell you, when I was writing the summary, I had to go back and edit it because at first I started using everybody's first name. And then I was writing Joe and Byron and Joanna and Lucas slash Joe. And I was like, all right, that's a lot. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to use last names. Yeah. And then I was using Birch and Brown and Bunch and Burden. Oh, and I was geez. like, that's too much again. <laughs> So when I sent you the summary, I was like, I hope this makes sense. Yeah. No, there's definitely a lot of, like, because Joe Christmas and Joe Brown, who both work together. The Joes, yeah. Yeah, they're Joes. But then you have Birch and Bunch. Yeah, it was definitely, and then, yeah. I mean, they definitely didn't use, like, Joanna Burden. I mean, I think Miss Burden was definitely used the most. Yes. But then, again, yeah, you have Burden, Bunch, Birch. (laughs) It was just... (laughs) As I'm typing it, I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, there was definitely, uh, this book had a lot. This book was about 500 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, I started reading it on my Kindle, and then um, I knew we were in kind of crunch time, so I was like, well, I'll read along as I'm listening to it, because that kind of makes it go a little bit faster. Um, but last night... Um, my Kindle book expired from the library. And again, who is checking out this book there? I'm, I was number two in line. There's somebody out there <laughs> that keeps getting these books specifically. Um, like your mom. She's like, <laughs> yeah, she's like, I did it again. And then, so I just listened to the rest of it. I think I had 
maybe eight or so hours left um, when the book expired around there, maybe seven. Um, but yeah, so then I just listened to the rest of it. I mean, it was a pretty good audio book. Like the, I thought the narrator did a really good job. Mm-hmm. I liked it better sped up a little bit because it is. Yes. Very slow. Again, and he does he does a very slow southern drawl to kind of match yes. the setting and the characters. Yeah, I definitely. I think I did a one point two. I tried the one point five, and I was like, I can't too keep fast. up. I was like, I can't keep up. The so one point two was pretty perfect. I thought. Well, I had I had put it on, and I I always have mine. Hold on. <coughs> oh gosh, yeah, Skittles are attacking me. Um, I always speed mine up a little bit because I usually find that. It's not as slow. Mm-hmm. I put it on. Took my kid. We were going to go for a long walk and stuff like that. And I didn't realize at one point I had kind of like tapped my ear. And so my wireless earbuds took that as like skip forward a chapter. Oh, and I just thought it was the end of the chapter. Because it ended right <laughs> as a, like right on a sentence. It, it ended. And we'll get to it. Um, it ended during a pivotal moment between... Um, Joe Christmas and Miss Burden. Yeah. And so I just was like, oh, wow, that chapter ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, no, somehow it had skipped from like, it had skipped like three chapters. And so I was like, what is, this is, what is happening? <laughs> so confused. So I had to go back and like re-listen. Oh, to oh my God. So. Yeah. Yeah. When listening to it, like sometimes I wasn't necessarily paying, paying attention to the words like on the pages. So I'd be listening and I'd be like, wait, hold on. Who are we talking about? Because, like, a chapter would start and you at first have no idea whose character we're in. Mm-hmm. Or if we're jumping back into the past. Yep. Like, I'd be like, what the hell are we doing? Who so is that, this? yeah, I kind of had, to, I would sometimes have like a synopsis open just so I knew whose chapter we were in so I could follow along better. And I'd be like, okay, now I know what's going on. And I did, I did this with, um, Anna Karenina too, where sometimes I would go on Spark Notes mm-hmm. and just flip through summary to be like, oh, like especially if like I read it and then couldn't really remember it just to refresh my memory. Yeah. Or sometimes they would clarify things and be like, oh. That being said, I think this book, I was like looking for an English teacher during this book because I feel like there's, especially after my Wikipedia rabbit hole, there's like so many like themes and like allegory like stuff like that where I was like if I had somebody to help me break this book down I probably yeah. would have enjoyed it a lot more yeah I mean I thought the story was really good um it kind of it had that same thing with like a tell of two cities where there was actually a plot and there was a mystery mm-hmm. kind of to it like there was we wanted to get to an end you know with mm-hmm. great expectations I was like is there even what are we doing but I felt like with this one you're always getting towards something and going into the past of like people's things. You started to learn about these characters and um, their stories, especially Joe Christmas. Yeah. His story. I was, oh. um, yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's get into it. Okay. All right. So the novel opens up with Lena traveling to find the father of her unborn child. He had left after being fired from the mill he was working at when they met and promised her that he would find her again after finding a new job. After not hearing from him, Lena travels slash hitchhikes in search of him. Every person she encounters along the way are certain that Lucas will not be found, and if he is, he will refuse to help her. She does manage to find him in Jefferson, Mississippi. However, he has changed his name to Joe Brown and is now a bootlegger. There she finds the kind-hearted Byron Bunch, who, despite falling in love with her, promises to help her find Lucas. Yeah, so with this... um... So she's coming from Alabama Mm -hmm. to Mississippi, and she keeps asking about Lucas Birch, and people keep saying, oh, there's a guy named Bunch that works at the mill. Are you talking about Bunch? So she just assumes that they just got their names mixed up, and so who she's looking for is Bunch. So when she shows up at the mill, she finds Bunch, but realizes it's not Lucas Birch. And he's telling her a story about two men and this fire that happens and he mentions a guy named joe brown and she says does he have a white scar on his head and that's when um birch i mean bunch realizes like joe joe brown and (laughs) lucas birch are the same person 
Yes. Yeah, so that's kind of where that, which I thought was like, I was like, okay, we're getting somewhere. And Byron is like the opposite of, we'll find like Joe Christmas. Oh, yeah. And Lucas slash Joe. Like, he's like truly like a good hearted person. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he falls in love with Lena, but he's like, nope, she wants to be with her baby daddy. So I'm going to help her find him. Yeah. Um. <sighs> Okay, so we then switch to Joe Christmas, who has violent tendencies and even injured, implied killed his adopted father. He's light-skinned but believes he's part African-American and bounces between white and black societies, never finding his place and constantly getting into fights. He lives in Jefferson, where he works with Byron and eventually joins in with Lucas slash Joe with the the bootlegging. He also begins a sexual relationship with Joanna, who in her aging years starts to become religious one night she forces Christmas to kneel and pray, threatening him with a gun. So this is right the where she's got the gun and she's threatening. <laughs> That's right when my, my oh. chapter skips. I was like, what is happening? Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah, because him and both Joes, Joe Christmas and Joe Brown, both worked at the mill at the same time. Um, I think Brown quit first or Christmas. Christmas quit first. And then six months later, Brown quit, and that's when they kind of started selling whiskey, because this is at the time when um, alcohol is illegal. So he starts selling whiskey and all of that, and they obviously start making money because people see them driving around town in their new car. But yeah. And um, I forget. Ooh. I was thinking that was that song was in my head. Well, that's why you like, bounced it back and forth. So I was, I was like, like, I can help her with this. Okay, this is not a singing podcast. Um, okay. Soon after the end of their relationship, Joanna is murdered. Her throat is cut and she's nearly decap which nearly decapitates her, and her house is burned down. Leaving the scene is Lucas slash Joe Brown. He's the main suspect until he tells the sheriff about his business partner, Joe Christmas, who happens to be black. Joe Christmas now becomes the main and only suspect, and he flees to a neighboring town. He is arrested and sent back to Jefferson. Byron attempts to convince the local pastor, Gail Hightower, to provide an alibi for Christmas. And Christmas's grandparents come into town. So this is... The beginning of this, when she's murdered, the house is on fire, that's when Lena is coming into town because she sees the smoke coming up from her house. Yeah. And then, yeah. And some, like, backstory with Christmas. Um, We flash back to him when he's, like, five years old. And he's, like, at an orphanage. And um, he is, like, he's in, like, this, they can make it seem like this, like, warehouse place. And he sees, like, one of the nurses having sex with another nurse and um she tells him like she's scared he's gonna tell and that she's gonna lose her job um so he she tries to pay him but um he doesn't tell anybody but then he that's when he gets adopted and um, well she she threatens she basically threatens to send him to an orphanage for all black children yeah and i think that's where he gets it into his head that he's that black. he's black yes and so she's like basically like if he tells we know he's lying because he's part black or whatever and so he yeah, does he... get adopted and his adopted father is a very religious man um is trying to make him memorize like the bible and stuff and then his adopted mother tries to help him by like sneaking food to him and giving him money but he takes it as like she's trying to make me cry um and then he, just, he like he had a he had a very like rough abusive yeah and then childhood um, he's like out with his adoptive father one day and he goes into this restaurant and meets this waitress and um he like he's about 18 at this point 17 or 18 and so they start a relationship but he tells her that he's part black and she's like, I want nothing to do with him. Like, Mm -hmm. so, um, and that's when he kind of like, he attacks his dad. I don't think his dad ended up dying though. But I think it's kind of like vague. Yeah. 
Um, so that's kind of when he's like, then you kind of just get like real quick synopsis of him traveling throughout the United States and making his way to like Jefferson. But that's kind of where you start to learn about his background and like his violent tendencies and like where they kind of started. Cause I have my opinions. Like I find it, I didn't think he killed Miss Burden. Yes, because it, it is, it is a, like, it's not, it's never very straightforward. I think, it, I thought it was Joe Brown. I did too. Because um, Joe, Joe Brown's the one that tells the guy that comes to help, like, don't go upstairs, there's nobody up there. And that's where Miss Burden's body is. So, mm-hmm. I always took it that it was, that it was Joe Brown that did it, but he uses the excuse of Joe Christmas being part black, and that's why he did it. It's very, it's very interesting because when I was, again, going down my rabbit hole, which just further convinced me, convinced me that Joe Christmas did not do this. I, I, yeah. It's very interesting because if you go to, like, Spark Notes or Cliff Notes, it says Joe Christmas murdered Joanne. Like, it's, they say that that's what happened. Like, that's yeah. who, who killed her. But then once you start really digging into it more, there's a lot of, like, literary criticism and other you know, similar things, articles and stuff written where they were like, our only evidence for this is just like the mob basically saying that he did it. Yeah. And there's no, there's no other further evidence to it. um, Which I think is kind of interesting. Again, if I think having an English teacher had been interesting, because you might be able to argue that like, like in that moment you become part of the mob. Because yeah. we'll see at the end, there's a there's a, a mob that goes after him. Well, and maybe, too, like, that's maybe what William Faulkner wanted. Not the mob, but, like, your own interpretation. Mm-hmm. What did you believe? Yeah. I'm not telling you who did it. I'm just writing this. And so, because I, I, the whole time, was like, oh, it was Joe Brown. But, of course, this man, because people think he's black, he's on the run because he knows that he's going to be dead. Like, people are going to, like, even his grandparents his grandfather it's, wants him dead. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting that it's, well, look, we'll finish this, the summary and we can get back to it. Cause I think that was really like the main, the main chunk of the novel. Yeah. Um, and where a lot of the more interesting conversations are. Um, so his grandparents come to town. His grandfather wants to see him lynched. Horrible. Um, but his grandmother wants to see him before he goes to trial because she was told that he died as an infant basically. So she wants to see her grandson. Um, she visits him and encourages him to go see Gail Hightower. And while being transported, Christmas manages to escape and heads towards Hightower's house. He is captured by a white vigilante who proceeds to shoot and castrate Christmas. Yeah. Joe Christmas dies. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. That's pretty sad. Yes. Well, and that backstory with his grandparents. Um, so their daughter, Millie, mm-hmm. um, she, she said that her, the guy that she was sleeping with was a Mexican, I believe, but her dad did not believe it. He thought that he was part black. Um, she ended up dying during labor. Um, and so that's when the grandfather took him to the orphanage. And so that's where um, Joe Christmas grew up and he told their grandmother that he died. Yeah. Um, so again, the grandfather is set in his ways, believing that Joe Christmas is part black and that he deserves to be lynched and all of that. And at one point to um, Byron, he's kind of the middleman trying to like get this, like get the grandparents. And he asked Hightower, he's like, Hey, can you say that Joe Christmas was here with you the night of the murder? Mm-hmm. Um, so that he's not lynched and Hightower's like I'm not doing that well when that mob comes in he actually does say it he's like Joe Christmas was here with me that night but it did not matter no um, so right before Christmas escaped Hightower was actually helping to deliver Lena's baby with Byron present um, and again I think Christmas's grandparents show up and his grandmother and Lena sees her daughter. Yeah, she becomes uh, her like daughter, delusional. Yeah, um, sees her daughter who died during labor. Um, um, but then 
Byron arranges for Lucas Lestro to come out and see Lena and the baby. And he basically shows up, sees the baby, and then says deuces and hops on a train, like get, runs out and goes to leave again. Byron at this point challenges him to a fight, which Byron is pretty much, you know, Lucas outweighs him. Yeah. His more strength, like Byron just has like his, his gumption, basically. Um, yeah, he knows that he's not going to win. He's not going to win this fight, but he's putting <laughs> it on a stand. Um, so he he loses said fight, gets the shit kicked out of him, and Lucas Joe, slash Joe gets on a train and disappears again. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, everyone on Lena's journey was right. The novel ends with a man telling his wife about a couple with a baby that he helped on their way through Tennessee, noting that the man is not the father. So this is Lena and Byron with the baby. Uh, Byron is still helping Lena look for Lucas slash Joe, but Lena still really has no interest in him. Um, and they're just setting off through Tennessee, looking for the deadbeat. Yep. And and Gail Hightower has a moment. I didn't put it in the summary, but he has a moment where it's his sort of redemption, where it talks about his... Was it his his grandfather, his father? Um, like his grandfather was very pro-slavery, and his father was recruited to fight alongside the South, the Confederates in the Civil War, but didn't align his himself with those those yeah. thoughts and those teachings and those ideologies. And he never fired his gun once during the Civil War, is what is revealed. Um, and this like helping Lena trying to help Christmas, all this, this is like his, his redemption arc, basically. Yeah. And his backstory, cause I don't think we talked about it. Like he comes to town with his wife um, and he's a preacher. He's, he preaches every Sunday. Um, but his wife wasn't coming every Sunday. And um, like, they kind of find out that she's sleeping around having, she's having an affair and then one Sunday she does come, but she, like, just starts yelling and stuff. So she's kind of put, like, in a in asylum for a little while. Um, and then she, once she's out of there, she does come to church every Sunday for a little bit. But then that stops again. She starts having an affair. And she ends up getting murdered, like, being pushed out of a hotel window, I believe, in Memphis. Um, Was she murdered or did she commit suicide? I was under the impression that she was murdered. Oh, I took it as she she jumped. Yeah, I, I took it that it was her lover that did it. But either way, she does die. Um, and because of that, Jefferson, the town of Jefferson, doesn't want him to preach anymore at the church. So they force him out of the church. And they try to force him out of town. But instead, he buys a house and he's like, I'm not leaving. <laughs> So he's just what a stand, what a stand. Yeah, he's like, I'm cool. So he just and so Byron and him like meet. I think every Saturday night and have like a little chit chat in his study. They, they kind of become close. Yeah, yeah. Like they kind of so you'll get their conversations and stuff. So and you kind of feel bad for him because like he can't even do what he loves because his wife was cheating on him. So, um, but yeah. yeah, and he kind of. Um, you know, here's this this town that he's in, which was so prejudiced, not only against, like, Blacks, as we saw with what happened with Joe Christmas, but even with just Lena being unmarried and pregnant. Oh, yeah. How, when she was traveling there, uh, one guy was, she was just like, can I sleep, you know, can I sleep at your place tonight or whatever? And his wife was like, no. not very nice to her, gave her money but to help her, but was just like, get out. Like, this is great, like, you know. Yeah, I need to get her um, out of my place. Like, I'll give her some money to catch the train or something, but she's yeah. got to go. Um, so that's that's kind of where the novel ended. So Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the story. I thought it was, for a story written in the 1800s, again, it seems to be these old books that we're reading for mm. Oprah's book. Story, this was published in 1930. Oh, sorry, 1930, yes. 1932. But when was it, when did it take place, though? Like, 1920s, 1930s. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, still very early on. Like, we're reading these older books that, mm -hmm. if we weren't doing Oprah's Book Club, I probably would not pick up, unfortunately. 
So, um, but I found the story enjoyable. Unfortunately, too, because it was written during that time, um, the use of the N-word was... Mm -hmm. Prolific. Yeah, I found, like, listening to it just... It was very jarring. Yeah, I, I was very, like, like, I was like, I don't need to hear that. It's very jarring to read it, and it's very jarring to hear it. Yeah, hearing it, I felt just, yeah. It was it was tough to listen to when you knew those words were coming up on the page or whatever. Because um, they did not use them lightly. They, like you said, prolific mm-hmm. use, which is unfortunate. But again, I think it was when this book was written, which is unfortunate as well. Um, but the story itself I thought was very done very well yes again I like I said I would I would like to like I think back to books that I read in high school and college where I'm like Ugh, I shouldn't have to read this this is one that I wish I did because yeah. there's there's like a lot to unpack a lot to kind of tease at and crack open because man my uh my rabbit hole Oof. yeah there's and it should be noted, too, that William Faulkner, remember when we read um, Love in the Time of Cholera? Yes. So that author was heavily influenced by William Faulkner. Okay. Um, I just forgot to mention that earlier. That I, don't, I have nothing more to add to that. But, oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think one, one of the big things that stuck out to me, and this was before I had read, where I was listening to the scene where after Christmas becomes the main suspect and he, he flees and he's just, he's running and he's leaving. And he talks about being hungry until he's no longer hungry. And he's like in this desert thing. And, and I was like, man, this reminds me a lot of, and then he's captured and he's got the mob that kind of comes after him. He's kind of like, you know, beat and yelled at and not treated very nicely by this mob that catches him. And I was just like, man, this sounds a lot like, I bet you there's like something biblical here. And then, that sent me down the rabbit hole because Joe Christmas is supposed to be in a way like Jesus, but in a very perverted way. Like in the end, when he's shot and castrated that there, like there's arguments to be made that that's the equivalent of the crucifixion. Oh yeah. Which to me made it further as like, no, Joe Christmas is innocent. Yes. Um, and then Lena and Byron and their baby, that's Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Yeah. There I, was, there was, there, I went down the rabbit hole with this. Yeah. And the more that I read it, the more I was like, I wish this was a book that we had read under the guidance of somebody who knew. Yeah, who knows <laughs> yes. more about, like, that can teach it to you. Yes. And bring things up more. Um Especially the story of Joe Christmas, like, the more I read, I was like, the more this makes sense. Like, I I see this a lot more now. (laughs) So, like, why? Yeah. And I don't know what William Faulkner's, like, personal religious beliefs were. Mm -hmm. But my, you know, amateur interpretation of this whole thing is, like, this was just very much so a criticism of kind of that... You see it a lot in the South, but more of that whole, like, you know, Jesus is love, be tolerant, unless you're any of these outcasts, and then mm-hmm. you can't, like, then it's okay to just, like, go after them. And so I think... It's kind of like the rapture of Canaan. A little bit, yeah. So I think having Hightower as that character who is, like, the man of God fighting against that mm-hmm. really made it better. No, yeah, I agree. I definitely, it was, I found it very interesting, like, how all the characters finally all, like, came together. Because, mm-hmm. like, you hear about, like, Hightower's story, and you're like, okay, like, what's he going to play? Like, what's his part going to be in all this? And I remember reading, like, a synopsis of this, and I, of this book, like, I think I was just, I don't know if I was reading, like, a review or something, but I was in the middle of reading this book, and it said the main character, Joe Christmas, and I was confused at first because I was like, I assumed Byron Bunch was like going to be the main character. Like kind of, I thought that storyline, because, you know, that's kind of where we start out with Lena and Byron and all that. 
Um, and then you, when you start to learn about, then you go deep into like Christmas's background. Like he's the main guy that you get his whole backstory. Um, and I, I feel like Faulkner did that where we are having this discussion of, do you truly believe that he killed? What was her name? Um, Joanna. Yes. Ms. Burden. Burden. I wanted to call her Birch. And I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> or Beard. I wanted to call her Beard. Beard. Miss um, Burden. And even with his, like, violent background and his storyline, I still do not think that he was the murderer. And just the way Joe Brown was acting, like, I just want to get my $1,000. And because there was a $1,000 reward for whoever got brought the murderer and joe brown was like i know who it was you're gonna talk to a white man like this when the murderer was part black Mm -hmm. like the way he's just the way he was talking about it and he's like give me my thousand dollars um i think that just pushed me more towards believing especially because he's the one leaving the scene yes and not letting people like he was like, if this were a true crime podcast and this was something you're covering, you'd just be like, how are you not seeing this? Like, this is insane. Why are you not investigating this man? Yeah. Why are we believing that he <sighs> is the witness? Crazy. Yeah. And then, yeah. So, and then especially when he's like, don't go upstairs. Like, if if he really did not care that Joe Christmas was the murderer, then he would have not cared for somebody to go upstairs and see Miss Burden. Don't swab the blood on my hands. It's fine. Don't don't mind any of this on me. I didn't kill her. It's fine. Yeah, I think throughout the whole book it was they used Joe Christmas's like race to like blame him for stuff. It's so easy because he had the history of violence Again, the racial stereotype that was back then, and even a little now, like the racial stereotype, uh, you know, I guess, quote unquote, an upstanding white citizen that is not really, but, you know, like they. Yeah. It was just, yeah, everything, everything working against him. And even, even his, like, like his, the trauma from being like the religious trauma growing up underneath the pastor who you know, at five years old, was like, you must memorize the Bible, and you can't even read, and beating him, like, being violent and abusive in that way that, you know, it's very easy to be like, well, I heard, you know, Joanna was turning to God, and Joe Christmas didn't like that, and... Yeah, what I, I think, um, now I forgot what I was going to say with it. Ugh. (laughs) I don't even know what I was going to say. Oh, I also don't think, like how you said, there's no proof that he was the murderer, right? Like, it never clearly says that he did it. There's also no proof that he is part black. No, the only indication we get from it is in the orphanage, when they were like, I'm going to send you off to this orphanage for black folks. And at the end where... um, uh, his, His mother is saying, you know, I had an affair of, of like a, a Mexican man or like yes a carnival worker like that's and that's the, the only thing to make it and the grandfather assuming that yeah. he wasn't Hispanic or whatever that he was a yeah. black man so again no proof and even if he was he should not have been treated the way he was but um yeah I I think it was Joe Brown. <laughs> that is my investigativeness. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think. Next time on Serial. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would say if somebody does want to read this book, um, just realize how much the use of that word is in there. Um, it's in there a lot. It's, I think you always have to be prepared when you pick up a book 
Yeah. Especially one said in the American South. Yeah. In uh, 1960s and earlier, especially, like, just 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 know that that's something that that it could be. And it is in here. So that's my trigger warning for anybody that wants to read this book. Again, if you do read it, I think you'll enjoy the actual story itself. Um, It's very compelling, but yeah. Those are my thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, again, I think I would have liked it more had I, maybe maybe not had to write a paper on it. No, 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 God, no. <laughs> but no, had, no, no. had somebody who was a little bit more well-versed to kind of, like, guide me help through you, it. Yeah, and help you sounding board for things. Yeah. Um, like, pay attention to this theme or something. Yeah. yeah. Other than, like, Wikipedia <laughs> and the sources that were from on Sparks, Wikipedia. Sparks like, notes over here. Notes. Yeah, because there was a whole thing too about like like Joe Christmas, his last, like his name, Christmas. Yes, right. That's the birth of Christ. Christ. Mm-hmm. He dies, Lena's baby's born, and they're essentially the new holy family. There was a whole thing. And I was going wild with it. And I was like, should I take notes for our discussion? <laughs> I, I, feel like, sure. I feel like this like, could be like a three-hour discussion. If I wasn't you sure, go- like, how far to go into it was. Because, again, like, when he's when he's running and he's just kind of, like, you know, in running from town to town. And he's, I'm so hungry, I'm not hungry anymore. I'm so thirsty, I'm not thirsty anymore. He's coming across various people saying, like, I could just do this, I could just do this. Like, that's Jesus' whole time spent in the desert during 40 days. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, it was one of those things where I'm like, after after I read it, I was like, am I thinking too much into this now? Like, that that was my I biggest don't... problem in English class, where I'm like, am I thinking too much about this? Yeah, I don't think you were. Because it's, it's not every day that you have a character named Christmas. No. And then there was another rabbit hole where I think this is one of the fun things about when the author is uh, still alive is that apparently there's discussion over the title Light in August. And a lot of people take it to mean light in August, the light from the fire being the house being burned. That was the light in August. Okay. And then somebody else who... I don't I don't know if they're like a famous literary critic or what made a point of being like the word light sometimes is used to denote after somebody gives birth. So they're like, especially in like cows and stuff like they're they give birth to their calf and then they're considered light again. So this is about uh, Lena's pregnancy being light in August after she gives birth. And William Faulkner basically came out and was like, no, there's this weird time in Mississippi in the summer where like everything gets kind of <laughs> hazy. That's what I that's what it is. That's what I thought about when writing <laughs> So people are overthinking, and he's like, straight up, no. <laughs> he's just like, no, it's like the house being burned in this, like, haziness that comes in the summer. I was like, oh, okay. That sounds a lot better than the cow giving birth. <laughs> <laughs> then there was another thing I noticed where in doing the, like, look, like reading about his childhood and stuff, his his parents and his, like, his family name was spelled without the U. Faulkner? Is Faulkner. that name? Okay. Yes. Spelled without the U. And then his appeared later on. And apparently that had to do with when he was in the Canadian Royal Air Force, something like that. Some sometimes he was saying there was a typo. <laughs> so he was just like, all right, that's my name. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I like that. I like that a lot. So what would you give this out of five? Ugh. Maybe three and a half. I would split it at three and a half. For me, it was a, a three reading by myself. I probably would have been a four again if I had an English teacher with me. Yeah, I think like, if like, like you said, like going down the rabbit hole and maybe being like, oh, I didn't even see that. You know, like you said, you're reading it after you read it. You're like, huh, interesting. I didn't even think about that. Um, maybe it would go a little bit higher. Um, 
but it wasn't it wasn't terrible um and i enjoyed the narrator a lot um so and i thought it was a very compelling story just a sad story though very sad yeah but yeah so maybe yeah maybe three and a half there was it's- there was a lot of characters where like they did something and you were like what a dick yeah. <laughs> like so like Brown? christmas's grandfather when when you realize, like, he had told the grandmother that he had died, and you were just like, what a dick. <laughs> I'm like, are that the fact that you wanted to lynch him? They wanted him to be lynched. Yes. I mean, that's I, just beyond being a dick, but, like. I think I find, like, these classics, like, and it can go back to, like, Anna Karenina, Great Expectations, Tale of Two Cities, this. I don't know if we've read any more classics with Oprah. Um, but... I find them hard to rate because sometimes I think like the book is like too smart for me. <laughs> like that, that was me with this book. I'm like, like you said, like, like maybe I something. need, maybe I need to sit down, like you said, with an English teacher and be like, all right, break this down <laughs> because like the, the reading's not hard and the story's not hard. But like you said, like these type of books are the books that like have themes to them. Like you said, and like, there's this symbolism that you need to like follow and you're like, you got to write a paper on it in school, and you're like, what the hell? Like, yeah, paper on school, you can just kind of, like, do something fancy with it, and you're like, all right, we talked about that in class. And then there's <laughs> me here who's like, his last name is Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So I think those books, they're harder for me to rate. Um, mm-hmm. Just because, like, again, they're classics for a reason. Um, and so I don't want to ever feel like my rating should not make it's like it's, want to it's like it. should I should I rate based on my level of enjoyability or rate based on how I'm, like the impact of this novel yeah so great expectations is trash no matter what I'm gonna <laughs> put that out there <laughs> oh man yeah that one was rough so <sighs> but yeah that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I think I think a three and a half is a good split. Because I was between, like, it's definitely at least a three. For sure. So, probably, one, I would say, one of the better ones that we've read for Oprah. No, I definitely, I think after finally getting started with it, because I think when you and I were first talking and knowing that it was, like, 500 pages and it was a classic, I just was pushing it off like I was like I don't I don't want to read another classic like I'm so tired of reading these long books that you just don't know how you're gonna feel so I think I felt a little sense of relief finishing it and being like okay it wasn't as bad as I thought (laughs) like it was definitely more surprising like because again the synopsis for the book doesn't really tell you much no it's just like here's a man who thinks he's part black there's a girl unwed and pregnant, and there's some guy that connects the two of them, and you're like, maybe you have- this will be heartwarming, and then you're, oh, God. Yeah, there's no... The synopsis I read told me nothing about this book or where this book was going, so I think it did a good job in, like, surprising me, because I was like, oh, this is definitely way more compelling there's than There's no I indication thought. that Joe Christmas <laughs> is as violent as he is. No. <laughs> Yeah, so I definitely do agree, like, and probably if you go back to the episode where we listed our last three books, I'm sure that's what our synopsis was for this, was, like, three Mm -hmm. people (laughs) are connected. Surprise! Yeah, it tells you nothing, so. Because you don't even know, like, what Lena's journey is, like, what she's doing. No. So, yeah, I just... I, I definitely was more surprised on the, on the good side um, with this book. Yes. Then. So I will, I will say Heart is a Lonely Hunter. I was surprised on the bad side. Yeah, that one, I think I my expectations were a little bit higher for that one. Mm-hmm. And I had read, like I said, I read A Rose for Emily by William Faulkner, because he also did a bunch of short stories. Enjoyed that one. But again, had an English teacher. Shout out, Miss Kay. Uh, guiding us through that one. Mm-hmm. Um and then I had tried to read The Sound and the Fury. I was so confused the entire time. <laughs> I, I had to DNF it. And I had it for years, years. I bought it when I lived in Lubbock. Yeah. And had tried it multiple times to pick it up. And part of the problem is, is like, 
it's stream of consciousness and it's told through the the perspective of like a mentally handicapped main like character Mm -hmm. and so some of the things i was just like i i have no idea what's going on (laughs) like i yeah uh, and just never picked it up do you think it would be better to listen to it or do you think you're at this point you're just like yeah no (laughs) no i have a hard time explaining it like it's definitely it's definitely like like run on sentences for like pages that oh, just no. don't didn't make sense and like and there's no because because it's told from this character's point of view at least for me from the little bit that I did get through yeah there was no introduction to who other characters were in relation to him so it was just it was just this character talking about like running running through the grass with this other girl and then there's this other boy and then there's this woman and I'm like are they a family. <laughs> Now he's got like a crush on, but are they fam? I thought they were fam. It's (laughs) bless those who got through it because I did not. Bless those. That's all right. You can't like, we can't read every single book in the world, right? Unfortunately, no. (laughs) Or fortunately. Because I think I could have gone, I think I could have gone my whole life without reading some of the books I've read. (laughs) Oh my God. I still, I still think about <laughs> bad girls don't die. Oh God, um, yeah. So again, I think we both enjoyed this book. I think it's a very compelling story. I do think. Um, look at the trigger warning for that. The use of the N word. It's use the N word. There's a lot. It, there's. It's, it's very violent. It's very violent. It's very. So just think about that before you pick up this book. But um, yeah. Again, I enjoyed the storytelling, um, but yeah, that the use of that word was whew, that was rough to get through. But yeah, um, anything else on this book? I don't think so. Um, we have two more books left for Oprah's Book Club. Our next one is Night by Ellie Wiesel. Um, I think it's a shorter book. It is. I think it's only like 200 on my pages. But I think it's going to be an, also an emotional book. Yes, because so not- I was on another another list of like disturbing or sad books, and that yeah. one popped up on there again. I was like, yeah. Ooh. So it was on the terrifying list that we talked about a few weeks ago, and, and now it's like, yeah. So I do think that one's going to be a little emotional. Um, and then we have one more. Uh, Tara Road. I can't think of who the author is at the moment. Those are our last two Oprah book clubs, and then we are done with Oprah. Um, I think next week should be a really good um, check-in, because we haven't done one in a few weeks, Mm -hmm. just because we had our 50th episode last week, where we discussed Beartown, so if you have not listened to that one, go listen to it. It's fun. We had our special guest, our friend Becca, who does exist. She does uh, exist. <laughs> she does. Um, and we talked about Beartown and all of those great things about that book. And, and, and then we kind of went off from there, which was also great. Um, but, yeah, uh, please go give us a like, a follow, subscribe. Um, our Instagram is reading with, celebrity, reading with Celebs. Our Twitter is reading W Celebs. And we will see you next week. Happy reading. Bye, guys. Bye. Idiot. Idiot.